Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Robert Fairhead from Tall and True Short Reads and the Tall and True Writers website. I'm taking a short break from writing and podcasting over the Christmas New Year holiday period, but as a special treat for podcast listeners, I've put together a Chris Kringle collection featuring three festive episodes from the Tall and True Short Reads archive. The gift was my short story for the Australian Writers' Centre's December 2020 Furious Fiction Writing Competition, and it had to include a gift of some kind. While I didn't opt for a cliched Christmas theme, the story proved to be an early Christmas gift, as it was one of the most fully formed I've devised and written, submitting it 12 hours before the competition's midnight deadline. The special tree was my December 2021 entry for Furious Fiction. Part of the brief was that the story had to include a tree, and once again, the temptation was to fashion a festive season scenario. As with the gift, however, I wrote a short story that had nothing to do with Christmas or Christmas trees, and instead I drew on my boyhood experience of climbing trees for the protagonist and plot. The Spirit of Christmas is a blog post I shared after spending Christmas 2019 with my West Australian family in Margaret River, south of Perth. Unfortunately, COVID and state border closures meant I couldn't return to WA for another three years, and I released this episode in January 2022, dedicating it to my family and other families who spent Christmas 2021 separated or alone due to COVID. I hope you enjoy this collection. At the end of each Chris Kringle story is an expanded explanation of when, why, and how I wrote it. The Gift, a short story written and narrated by Robert Fairhead. Happy anniversary, Dahl. My blank look doesn't wipe the smile from his face. It's our double anniversary, remember? He prompts, presenting me with a single red rose, nine months since the party, and six months since you moved in. Of course I remember, I lie. Growing up, my nan had taught me to tell the truth. Lies will haunt you, she'd warned. But I was a natural-born liar as a child, and I haven't kicked the habit. I smell the flower's perfumed scent. Thanks, Dahl. It's beautiful. I got you something too. Sorry, Nan. More lies. But it got held up in the post. That's okay, he says, still smiling. Hopefully it'll arrive before our next anniversary. He laughs. And I laugh too. We kiss. And the tricky moment passes. I don't remember much about the party where we met. It was at a friend of a friend's place. I was there on the rebound, and he was there on his own. I drank too much, and he was a steady shoulder to lean on. I told him I lived with my grandmother, and didn't want to go home drunk. He invited me to sleep it off at his apartment. It sounded like a smooth move, but we didn't have sex. I crashed in his bed, and he slept on the sofa. Several dates later, I took him home to meet Nan. A true gentleman, she'd pronounced afterwards. I think you two are a perfect match. Nan, I don't need a matchmaker. I'd replied firmly, hoping she'd catch my tone and drop the subject. You've got to think about your biological clock, dear, she'd tutted. I'm only 28, Nan, I'd retorted and stormed off. My mum died when she was 25. I was three years old, and though I think I have memories of her, I'm not sure. I know I don't remember my dad, because he left mum before I was born. 
and so I grew up with Nan. I moved out many times in my teens and early 20s, but I kept running out of money or getting into bad situations and returning to Nan. He'd asked me to move in with him when the government announced the COVID lockdown. It'd be better for our relationship, he'd said, but I'd only agreed because I couldn't face spending lockdown with Nan. He cooks us a double anniversary dinner and opens a bottle of champagne. Later in bed, his palm caresses my thigh. His touch is soft, unlike some of the hard men I've known. I'm sorry, Dal. I've got a headache. I lie again and turn my back on him. He kisses the nape of my neck. That's okay, he says. Sweet dreams. As Nan said, he's a gentleman. And if my biological clock worried me, or I was in love with him, he'd make a good husband and father. I rise before dawn and leave him sleeping soundly, like a saint, and head back to Nan's. It's my gift to him. The gift was my December 2020 entry for the Australian Writers' Centre's monthly short story competition, Furious Fiction. The 500-word story for December had to include a gift of some kind, open with a first sentence containing only three words, and use the words palm, match, and rose. The email with the competition brief from the Writers' Centre arrived on the afternoon of Friday 4th, and I had 55 hours to write my short story before the midnight deadline on Sunday 6th. But as I later tweeted, I wrote it while walking my dog that Friday evening. By the time I got home, I had fleshed out the characters and plot and ticked off the criteria. All I had to do was get the words out of my head and into my computer. Yes, there were the usual edits and tweaks. However, the gift was one of, if not the, most fully formed story I've ever written in such a short time frame, and I submitted it 12 hours before the Furious Fiction deadline. The Special Tree, a short story written and narrated by Robert Fairhead from the Tall and True Writer's Website. The tree stood in front of a vacant block at the end of the street. It had thick, leafy branches and was easy to climb. It was Maddie's special place. And then one day, after school, he saw a sign on the tree. Maddie couldn't read the big words and went home to find his sister. Jess was a school captain and made speeches at assemblies, so she'd know what the sign said. It's from the council, Jess told Maddie when they returned to the tree. It says there's been a development application. What's that? asked Matty. Someone's building on the vacant block, Jess explained. Matty burst into tears. Oh, <laughs> will they chop down the tree? He sobbed. I don't know, Matty, Jess said, putting an arm around her little brother. Let's go home and ask Mum. Matty's mum searched the council's website for the development application. She looked up at Jess and shook her head. I'm sorry, Matty, his mum said, rubbing his back. The builder has applied for permission to remove the tree. No! Matty yelled, and he ran from the house and back down the street to climb the tree. He was still sitting in the branches when his dad came home from work. Come on, son, his dad called up to him. It's time for dinner. No! Matty shouted back. They're going to chop down the tree. I know, son, his dad sighed. Mum and Jess told me, but it's only an application. The council may not approve it, or they might ask the builder to change the plans. Really? Matty asked, hopefully. I can't promise anything, son, his dad admitted, but we can contact the council. Now come on, dinner's getting cold, and you've got school tomorrow. Back home, over dinner, Jess told a dejected Matty she was starting a petition for the tree. The kids at school will sign it, she said, and we can ask the neighbours too.
and Mum and Dad will write to the council tomorrow, Matty's mum promised. And we can make a please save this tree poster tonight, Jess added. Matty felt a little better, but he still had a bad dream overnight about a builder who danced around the tree with a chainsaw. On their way to school the next morning, Matty and Jess taped their poster to the tree. What are you kids up to? called a man wearing a hard hat from the vacant block. We're saving the tree, Matty told him. A mean builder wants to chop it down. Matty felt Jess elbow him. The man laughed. (laughs) Is that so, he said. And why is this tree so important? All trees are important, Jess replied. But this one's special because Matty loves climbing it. And Jess is starting a petition for the tree, Matty chipped in excitedly. And Mum and Dad are writing to the council. Oh, are they, the man said and smiled. Well, good luck, kids. Maybe the mean builder will listen to you. The special tree was my entry for the Australian Writers' Centre's December 2021 Furious Fiction. The brief for the 500-word short story was it had to include a tree, something being taped, and the words dance, search, and change. Longer variations were acceptable, as long as they retained the original spelling. Like December 2020's Furious Fiction Brief, where the story had to include a gift of some kind, the temptation was to fashion a festive season scenario. However, as I did with last year's entry, The Gift, I decided to write a short story that had nothing to do with Christmas or Christmas trees. Instead, I drew on my experience as a boy for my protagonist and plot. A tract of undeveloped land surrounded my boyhood home. We called it The Bush, and within it stood tall trees that I loved climbing. But one day, bulldozers rolled in and cleared the trees, and builders followed. The bush that had seemed so vast to me as a boy became a row of boxy suburban houses. For my story, I condensed my boyhood bush into a vacant block with a favourite climbing tree out the front. My young primary school age protagonist, Matty, finds a sign on the tree and asks his big sister to help him read it. Back home, Matty's mother searches the council website for the development application and confirms the builder wants to remove the tree. Matty is distraught but his family promised to contact the council and rally support to save the tree. As a writing device, I simplified the third-person narrator's language because I wanted the story to be from Maddie's point of view without making it first-person. Does the mean builder remove the tree? I leave that for the podcast listener to decide. But I hope Maddie has more luck with his tree than I had with mine and the bush all those years ago. The Spirit of Christmas a blog post written and narrated by Robert Fairhead from the Tall and True Writer's website. Ho, ho, ho. When I was a boy, I thought the spirit of Christmas was receiving from my overflowing Santa sack and gifts under the Christmas tree. Then I grew up, and for me, especially after I became a dad, it's giving. I like choosing gifts for family and friends, which is why I say bar humbug to the modern Kris Kringle. Now, I don't want to sound like Ebenezer Scrooge, After all, I like Christmas, and I have partaken in family and office Kris Kringles and secret Santas. But these were versions where I drew a name from a hat. I knew who was receiving my gift and put thought and effort into choosing it for them. And I had the joy of watching the recipient open it, even if they didn't know I was the gift giver. Okay, some Kringle gifts I've received over the years have been silly. For example, I once got a hairbrush in an office Kringle, 
And if you check my profile photo, you'll know why I dropped it in a charity shop bin on the way home, even if the rest of the office found it hilarious. But in general, I have received, and I like to think, given thoughtful gifts. For Christmas 2019, my West Australian family introduced me to the modern Thieving Kringle, also known as Stealing Secret Santa. In this version, as with traditional Kringles, we bought gifts to a set value and wrapped them to keep the gift and gift giver secret. We put our names into a Santa hat and the order they were drawn out determined the sequence in which we'd receive a gift from the pile. And to ensure impartiality, Santa's little helper, my two-and-a-half-year-old niece, selected and handed out the Kringle gifts. And this is where the modern thieving aspect begins. Rather than accept the gift chosen by Santa's helper, recipients can steal a previously opened one. The person who loses their Kringle gift gets another one from the pile, but that too can be thieved by the next recipient in line. By being the first name drawn from the hat, you'll likely end up with a gift nobody wants. In my case, I feared another hairbrush, or, my nightmare, a fondue set. I wasn't impressed with this modern Kringle. The spirit of Christmas is giving and receiving, I argued. Not stealing. But the majority of the family, including my teenage son, overruled my objections, though he was less enthusiastic when his name was drawn second on the list. As it transpired, everyone had fun with the Kringle, particularly Santa's happy little helper. I got Jimmy Barnes's working-class memoirs, despite a thwarted attempt to steal them, and my son received the promise of a cash exchange from me for his unwanted pair of size XL cycling shorts. Ho, ho, ho. I later learned from other West Australian family and friends that thieving Chris Kringle is not a modern fad. My cousins, who have many kids between them, have been doing it for over 20 years to cap the cost of Christmas. One of my cousins admitted to being a keen stealer and swapper of gifts. And my dear old aunt said she was delighted with her latest Christmas Kringle gift, a fondue set. Call me Ebenezer, but I still say bar humbug. However, respecting the majority, I grudgingly accept nowadays the spirit of Christmas is giving, receiving and stealing. At least when it comes to Kris Kringles. And when all's said and done, the real spirit of Christmas is not the gifts. It's the time spent with family and friends, though I didn't realise this when I was a boy. But I do now, as a middle-aged dad, watching the years with my boy fly by like Christmas's past. Ho, ho, ho. The Spirit of Christmas is a blog post I wrote in December 2019, after spending Christmas with my West Australian family in Margaret River, three hours south of Perth. Unfortunately, with two years of COVID and state border closures, I haven't been back to Western Australia to see family and friends since 2019. And this year, 2021, due to the Omicron outbreak, we cancelled our family get-together in Sydney and spent Christmas Day in isolation, with family members either ill from COVID or awaiting test results. It wasn't the Christmas we'd planned, but I caught up with family and friends on the phone and via Facebook and texts. And there was a pile of thoughtful gifts under our Christmas tree and, as usual, way too much to eat and drink. Topped off with an afternoon nap and an adventure movie on the TV in the evening. The spirit of the day may have dimmed, but I still felt it. And there was no silly Kris Kringle or stealing Santa. Bar humbug. Ho, ho, ho. Epilogue. I wrote this blog post and writer's insight as a humorous reflection on modern Kris Kringles and the spirit of Christmas. Listening to it, what doesn't come across is how much I've missed seeing my West Australian family during the past two years, and how disappointed I was that the Sydney family get-together was cancelled this year. I dedicate this podcast episode to my family, 
and other families who spent Christmas separated or in isolation due to COVID. I hope you enjoyed the Chris Kringle Collection. You can read all my short stories, blog posts and other writing at tallandtrue.com. You can also buy my short story ebooks, Both Sides of the Story, 12 Furious Months and 12 More Furious Months from the Amazon Kindle and Kobo online bookstores. Links are available in the show notes. The next episode of Tall and True Short Reads will be released shortly. In the meantime, check your feed or the podcast website, tallandtrueshortreads.com, for earlier episodes from seasons 1, 2 and 3. And follow or subscribe to the podcast and rate and review it via your favourite app. Doing so helps me share my stories with other listeners. You can support this podcast financially by making a small one-off or regular donation via the ACAR supporter page. You'll find a link in the show notes. And finally, please tell your family and friends about Tall and True Short Reads and the Tall and True Writers website. (laughs) 